Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Troy Brown Jr. and how the Timberwolves are expecting them to fill the role that was held by Torian Prince for the last two seasons. What will each of them bring to the table? What will their specific roles be? And why the combination of Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr. is better than having Torian Prince on the team this year. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts. Falls an exciting time right now in, in Minnesota sports. The Vikings won their first game this weekend. Of course, the Twins play in the playoffs this week. Of course, the Timberwolves kick off preseason play later this week, regular season a couple weeks away, and the Wild preseason is already underway. Golden Gopher is winning records so far this year. Lots to like about Minnesota sports, so go download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow this program, Lockdown Wolves, on either at, at, on Twitter at either Lockdown T Wolves or on my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So today I want to spend the entire show talking about the wing position and specifically what the Timberwolves have done to replace Torian Prince. And I think replace is the right word. Of course, Prince had the team option on his contract for this year. I guess it was technically a non-guaranteed year, like $9 million. The Wolves let him go. He signed with the Lakers for like four, four and a half million bucks. Um, so right around, it might've even been a little less than four, basically a little more than the vet minimum would be to go to the Lakers. And in truth, Prince is probably worth somewhere between the two numbers. He took, I think a bit of a discount to go to LA, but he would have been overpaid for one season in Minnesota. The Timberwolves turned around and used those dollars to, as part of what they spent on Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and then bringing back Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was a restricted free agent after coming over to the Wolves at the trade deadline last year as part of the Mike Conley trade. So the Wolves are really replacing Prince's salary slot and a lot of his minutes with a combination of Alexander-Walker, Troy Brown Jr., and Shake Milton. Today, I want to focus on Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr. because they're the closest thing. Shake Milton really at this point is the backup point guard. He's basically replacing, if we're playing this like-for-like game, Shake is basically replacing Jalen Noel and then some of the Jordan McLaughlin minutes. Of course, McLaughlin's still on the roster, but that's the slot he's occupying. Um, So really, I guess the best way to say it would be, and I think I might have positioned it this way at some point in the summer, McLaughlin Noel out, Shake Milton in, Prince out, Alexander Walker, Troy Brown Jr. in. Yes, Alexander Walker was on the Wolves for 20-some games at the end of the regular season and a key part of the playoff rotation, but he was acquired at the time. I treated it more as almost a throw-in with Mike Conley in that D'Angelo Russell deal at the deadline. And uh, as it turns out, he was a vital piece of the playoff rotation in large part due to the Jaden McDaniels hand injury that happened in the regular season finale. But even before that, he forced his way into the rotation. So let's start with Alexander Walker. Um, 
my first memory of an of Nikhil Alexander Walker in a Timberwolves uniform was in his very first game with the Wolves. Um, I'm pretty confident it was his very first game, which he only played like two minutes. I had it pulled up here. I'm going to see if I can. Um, it doesn't really matter, but I, uh, the Memphis game, the Wolves lost by 20 plus. He played a little over a minute. It could have been the loss of the Wizards two nights later where he played four minutes. But one of his very first games, one of his first couple in a Minnesota uniform, he fell down on the on the offensive end of the floor, going to the basket, got up, sprinted back. He was the last player under like on the baseline on one end and beat everybody else back. And I think made a play. I don't remember if he actually got a stop or committed a foul, but made a play on the ball on the other end. And it was like as cheesy as sometimes we could talk about um, over the top hustling and like, you know, guys just like scrapping or whatever. Like that can be cheesy. It can be. But after watching, and this isn't, I'm not singling any one player out. But after watching the combination of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed and uh, at times D'Lo early in the season, among others, really struggle, even at times Kyle Anderson, Austin Rivers, these veteran players, struggle with coping with poor officiating calls or what they perceive to be poor poor calls by or non-calls by the officials and complain and not get back in transition, or in the case of Nas and also Towns, who are both guilty of falling down and not getting up quickly and getting back, whether or not they're complaining about a foul call, and often they are, to see Alexander Walker hit the deck, pop up and run back as quick as he did, was so incredibly refreshing. It just, like, it's not something that Timberwolves fans are used to seeing. He went on to actually find his way in the rotation uh, three games into being in a Timberwolves uniform. Torian Prince missed some time. I can't remember which. This might have been the back spasms or something, but but TP missed some time. And Alexander Walker, in the first time, he got double-digit minutes in a Wolves uniform. He played 24 minutes in a loss to Charlotte, and he had 13 points, uh, knocked down three threes on four attempts. And, and, of course, at the trade deadline, as I said, I kind of positioned him as a throw-in. He didn't have a track record of making threes at the NBA level consistently, and I didn't have high hopes for him doing that in a Wolves uniform. Now, um, prior to last season, Nikhil Alexander-Walker for his career was 32.9% from outside the arc. Last year, split between Utah and Minnesota, he was over 38%. And the volume was, it was a little lower than it had been earlier in his career because he played less minutes. And he was also a little bit of a lower usage player, especially in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform. Uh, but all that to say, I was expecting a 3 and D player who was a little overrated defensively. He just kind of looks the part and not actually a three-point shooter at all. And what the Timberwolves got was a pretty legit 3 and D player for, what did he play, 23, 23 games in a Wolves uniform in the regular season and then the play-in and the playoffs. They got a pretty legit 3 and D player for the last part of last season. Now, is that who the Wolves will have next year? I don't know. I mean, he is just 25. He turned 25 just uh, about a month ago. So there is still some upside remaining. He obviously was uh, a first-round pick, mid-first-round, 17th overall in 2019. So there, there's belief that there's more in there with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But what's intriguing to me, or at least what the Wolves find intriguing, is how good he is with the ball in his hands. He can actually distribute a little bit, play almost a, a bit of a secondary creator, secondary playmaker-type role. Um Combine that with the Wolves' lack of a true backup point guard, and I know they say Shake Milton is that, but he's not a traditional, uh, prototypical backup point guard. And 
if they're going to give the keys to, to Alexander Walker at times, he's got some intriguing length to him and intriguing athleticism and apparently an improving three-point shot. So I think the Wolves are kind of tantalized by what that could be. The biggest thing with Alexander Walker, though, and I want to focus on this next and then transition into talking about Troy Brown Jr. and why Alexander Walker and Brown Jr. are both going to be better at replacing Torian Prince's minutes. I want to focus in on Alexander Walker's defense because what he did last year was far better than what he'd done in his first three seasons in the league. And and there's quantif- like we can quantify it. There's quantifiable evidence at B-Ball Index. And I touched on this earlier in the summer, but I want to talk about, again, both Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr. in the context of what TP, Torian Prince, did last season for the Wolves and why I'm so excited about, um, about having Alexander Walker and Brown Jr. in these roles next season. So we'll get to all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Ibotta. It's football season. That means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate or at your watch party, go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you might have been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers. When you start with Ibotta, that includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Player App Store, and use the code LOCKED. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers, we're going to continue on throughout the week and uh, preview uh, or the preseason, I should say, starts on Thursday. So we'll definitely talk about that on Thursday's show. The Wolves will be in Abu Dhabi to take on the Dallas Mavericks. And then Friday, we will do a postgame pod. And the player preview series continues. Um, I decided to only do two players today because I want to focus more on Shake uh, tomorrow. I want to focus on Alexander Walker and and uh, Brown Jr. today. And uh, it'll go into mid next week because as we get higher up on the roster, rotation guys and eventually starters and the stars, I want to do half or full shows on each of these guys. So um, it will stretch into the middle part of next week. Be sure you're following and subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So defensively for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I talked about how he more looked the part than actually than, than he actually was the part in his first couple of seasons in the league. But last year, when it was all said and done, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had some really impressive numbers on the defensive end of the floor. And it starts with, I'm going to pull these from B-Ball Index. Uh, B-Ball-Index.com is a fantastic resource. And they have Alexander Walker, his perimeter isolation defense this season, they had ranked as an A. An A in perimeter isolation defense. And I'm going to pull up uh, a little bit more context here. I should say on-ball perimeter uh, isolation defense. 94th percentile league-wide and an A. That's one of the two things he's going to do a ton of from the perimeter. The other thing, ball screen navigation. We know Jaden McDaniels is a wizard when it comes to that, right? He's the best in the league last year by any metric 
Um, B-Ball Index has one. He he was the best in the league. There's another, I'm blanking on who it is, but there's another site that had him. Um, Jade McDaniels at the top of the list. Ball screen navigation to kill Alexander Walker, an A-plus 97th percentile in ball screen navigation last season. Okay? Going back to the offense briefly, he actually finished with an A grade for finishing at the rim and a B-plus in playmaking. So going back to the points I made earlier, I didn't even talk about finishing. But in transition, to kill Alexander Walker... Could be effective finishing at the rim. He can be a playmaker. We talked about his ability to do that as a secondary playmaker for this team. Also, while he was only a 36% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, he's a really good pull-up three-point shooter. This is Alexander Walker now. A really good pull-up three-point shooter from above the break. His pull-up three-point percentage last year was actually almost 41%. It was 40.8%. That's 85th percentile league-wide and an A-minus. As a pull-up three-point shooter above the break, he was 39%. That's 84th percentile, also an A-minus. So, while the catch-and-shoot numbers are not eye-popping, the ability to shoot pull-up threes in transition, finish at the rim, and playmake shows he's got some really important, like three really important facets to his game He's not supposed to be a high-usage scorer for the Wolves. Early in his career with those New Orleans teams, and even last year getting to Utah, like, hey, you know, Alexander Walker, go out there, score a little bit, right? See if you can be that guy. You were a first-round pick, right? Last season, small sample, yes, 23 regular season games with the Wolves. He had a lower usage rate than at any other point in his career. And he's now at the point, like, he's not quite yet to his prime, but he's been in the league four seasons now. He understands that he's a role player. That's his role is all of the above, right? It's to first and foremost, it's to be a pest on defense, perimeter isolation, defense, ball screen, navigation, jump passing lanes off the ball. And then on offense, it's get out in transition and finish in transition, uh, you know, handle the ball, distribute for others. And when you get the opportunity to shoot a pull up three or get to the basket, you're not a high usage half court guy, Nikhil Alexander Walker. And, and, all these other things that he does well fit the Wolves so, so, so well. And in some ways, it's what the Wolves wanted out of Torian Prince, but it's not exactly what they got last year. If you compare some of Torian Prince's numbers, uh, defensively, he was a 45th percentile ball screen uh, in terms of getting through ball screens uh, on the defensive end of the floor. That's a C-. minus. Remember, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, an A+. Plus. Torian Prince is C minus, according to BBL Index, 45th percentile. On ball perimeter isolation defense to kill Alexander Walker was 94th percentile. That's an A. Torian Prince, 57th percentile. That's a C plus last season. Now, Torian Prince is a better catch and shoot three point shooter. He's better from the corners. Uh, but in terms of above the break and pull up threes, Torian Prince was actually 24% on pull up threes last year, which, you know, it's a relatively small part of his game. Um, so, you know what? Uh, Thirty-two. So about a, one in three of Alexander Walker's three-point attempts last season were pull-up threes. Torian Prince. Uh, let's see the the number of threes that Torian Prince shot as pull-up threes was only fourteen percent. So he didn't shoot a ton of pull-up threes, but he also wasn't good at them when he did shoot them. So I'm not at all arguing that Alexander Walker is a better shooter than Torian Prince. I'm just saying the gap may not be that great, and. You know, catch the catch and shoot number, sure. That it hurts to lose that. We'll talk about Shake Milton tomorrow. We'll talk about Troy Brown Jr. here in just a minute. And his number is, is comparable to that of Torian Prince last year. So you're papering over some of what you're losing in Torian Prince, at least in terms of the shooting ability, and you're 
improving drastically on defense. And I know that Prince has this reputation as a as a you know this, for whatever reason a sterling reputation as a defender. And I said when the Timberwolves traded for him two years ago that I thought in a vacuum Ricky Rubio is a better player than Torian Prince and even a better on ball defender. Prince, of course, had has the size advantage and and is more positionally flexible. And that was the reason the Wolves wanted him. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a better defender than Torian Prince. There's zero question about it. We could argue about two or three years ago, Torian Prince. But 2023 Torian Prince versus 2023 Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Alexander-Walker has the defensive advantage, no question about it. Um, And B-Ball Index numbers back that up. That brings us to Troy Brown Jr., who, you know, I think he'll be behind Alexander-Walker on the depth chart um, in the pecking order, if you will. But there's a lot to like about Troy Brown Jr. And let's start with, I guess let's start with what he did last year. Troy Brown Jr. last season uh, was, of course, a member of the Los Angeles Lakers and was had a bit of a, tumultuous is probably a dramatic word, um, but I would say he had an up and down season. It was his only year in LA. He spent the first two and a half years of his career in Washington, the next uh, year and a half in Chicago with the Bulls. Last year, he played more than he had since the second year in the league. He played more in than he had at any point in the last three seasons. He finished with a 38.1% three-point, 38.1 three-point percentage. Prior to last season, though, Alexander Walker was nowhere near that impressive from outside the arc. Um, and for some reason, my total is not totaling here, but it was basically like 34% up until last year. So a big part of the Wolves signing Troy Brown Jr. hinges on was his 38% from three last year real, or is the 34% for the first four seasons of his career real? We don't know, right? It's hard to say, you know, maybe this year, maybe this last season with the Lakers was a bit of an outlier. He had enough volatility in his performances. You can go back and listen. I think it was the end of July. I did a crossover episode with the Kamenetsky brothers from Lockdown Lakers, and they basically said, hey, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. And he lost his rotation spot, you know, in the playoffs because he was a bit too, his performances were too volatile. Um, and the Lakers needed some consistency. And somewhat ironically, the Lakers end up with Torian Prince and also D'Angelo Russell and also Jared Vanderbilt. The Wolves end up with Troy Brown Jr. And uh, Matt Ryan. But, you know, who's counting Who's counting how many players have switched teams? And, and uh, will Matt Ryan even be on the Wolves this year? That's a conversation for another day. Uh, but Troy Brown Jr. last season... Shot more threes than he ever had before. His three-point rate went way up. He basically was that 3 and D type guy and didn't do anything else for the Lakers. Um, he was still effective defensively, though. Um, B-ball index. B-ball index numbers that we just cited here. Troy Brown Jr., uh, to, re- to review, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had an A-plus in ball screen navigation. Torian Prince had a C-minus. Troy Brown Jr., an A-minus. 86th percentile in ball screen navigation last season in a Lakers uniform. On ball, perimeter isolation defense. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, an A. Torian Prince, AC+. Troy Brown Jr., also an A. 90th percentile, just a shade below Alexander-Walker in terms of on ball, perimeter isolation defense. So yes, both Troy Brown Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are far superior, or at least last season were far superior defensively than Torian Prince. It makes a lot of sense why the Timberwolves would want to backfill Torian Prince's minutes with a couple of guys who are also positionally flexible. Yes, Prince is more of a 3-4, whereas both Alexander Walker and Troy Brown are more of two threes, although you could play Alexander Walker in some small lineups at the four, sure. Uh, But these guys are a little smaller than Torian Prince. But 
you're also bumping Kyle Anderson down from the four to the three, most likely because of the contract you give Nas Reed. So in general, there's just a lot more guys, a lot more depth to this team. And Troy Brown, at least, will make up for much of the shooting deficit for, that Torian Prince has left behind. And together, they're both better defensively than Torian Prince was last year. So I want to talk a little bit more about that and then also what the rotation minutes could look like, what I expect Troy Brown Jr.'s role to be for the Wolves this year. We'll get to all that here next. All right, talking Troy Brown Jr. and what his role is going to be in a Timberwolves uniform this year. Um, I've been kind of just saying over the past couple of shows, if you've been if you've been listening um, daily, hopefully you have been. I've been just kind of listing like, hey, these top you know, these ten guys are the top ten of the rotation. I don't think there's any question. Your starters are Conley, Edwards, McDaniel's, Cat, and Rudy, and your next two are Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed in some order, and then your next three are Alexander Walker, Shake Milton, and Troy Brown Jr. I, I think that's pretty clearly your top ten if you're Chris Finch. What does the role look like for Troy Brown ultimately? Um, and last season he did actually play more. I, I said earlier he's more of a two-three. I I conflated Alexander Walker and Troy Brown somehow, which is I guess kind of what I'm doing this whole podcast. Troy Brown played more. I mean, he did early in his career. He played more two than he did four. But now in 2023, like. Troy Brown Jr. is playing more at the four than he is at the two. Like he is a true combo forward wing type guy in in today's NBA. Now, Chris Finch wants to play big. He's not going to run out a ton of small ball lineups. But the point here is that Brown Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are both positionally flexible, as is to some extent Kyle Anderson, as is to some extent Shake Milton, although he's, you know, a back, he's a guard, right? Um, I don't know what Troy Brown's roles is going to be. And if you look at his game log last year with the Lakers, it's all over the map. I kind of think that's going to be the case this year with the Wolves too. And Chris Finch doesn't always have a, a super um, specific rhyme or reason to how he chooses to sub guys in and out. It's 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 funny. Um, now, I, I will say Brown was a, a regular rotation member. I don't think he was ever a DNP CD last year. And towards the end of the year, we saw his, you know, earlier in the season, he was upper 20s, low 30s minutes guy. Over the final few weeks of the season, he was low 20s into the teens, had a couple of single digit minute performances. And then by the end of the playoffs, Troy Brown was out of the rotation in that sweep at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. He only played one minute in the four game sweep against Denver. Um, and he had kind of fallen out of the rotation like early in that series. He actually didn't start at all in the playoffs. Um, and, and down the stretch in the regular season either. He lost his starting job. So, um, But all that to say, his activity level, his defensive prowess, his ability to knock down a three, apparently, uh, which which improved drastically last year, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. And we'll talk about Shake on, on Wednesday's show, but the... The the whole thing, the whole premise here is improving the depth of this roster to the point where you don't have to play. Like if you go back and look, and I did this, um, I, I closed out of it, but I did this when I was looking at Alexander Walker when he joined the Wolves. The other rotation guys he was battling with minutes for were Austin Rivers, and um, who was the other one? Who was the other guy that he was basically? Oh, Jalen Noel and Jordan McLaughlin. Those guys were all getting minutes last year in March, and. None of them will be getting minutes in March this year if things go according to plan. And, and again, I talked about McLaughlin on, on Monday's show. I love Jordan McLaughlin. I hope I hope things work out. 
but you'd rather be giving minutes to Shake Milton, Nikhil Alexander Walker, or Troy Brown Jr. Uh, you just would. So by replacing those rotation minutes with these guys, the whole floor of the roster has been raised. And and I don't know over the course of a season, like technically how many wins that's worth, right? And it gets messy to try and to try and like really parse that out to do like a wins above replacement thing to borrow a baseball advanced metric. Um, how many how many wins are each of these guys really worth? And and I get that win shares is is the basketball version of that, but it's not quite that clean. Um, but something I like to say a lot on the show is the difference between good and great a lot of times is the same as the difference between bad or mediocre and good to very good, right? Those gaps can be the same. And if your top level is still your top level and you assume that Carl Anthony Towns is healthy and great and Rudy has something of a bounce back and Ant continues to grow, they're going to be great. The rest of the roster can't be bad or mediocre. They have to be good to very good if this team wants to win anywhere near 50 games and be a top four team in the West. And that's possible. And that the, the, the second portion of that, the bottom to middle part of the roster, that's these guys, right? That's replacing the Austin Rivers minutes, the Bryn Forbes minutes from early last season, the Jordan McLaughlin minutes. That's replacing those minutes with actual NBA rotation caliber guys. Troy Brown Jr., who was in the rotation and a starter for much of the year last year for the Lakers. Shake Milton, who's been a rotation guy for really good Sixers teams the last six years. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who found himself in the playoff rotation and performing admirably, shutting down um, uh, for stretches, shutting uh, Jamal Murray down early early to middle stages of that of the uh, of the playoffs and doing well against um, his cousin Shea Gilgis Alexander in the play in as well. So uh, the the baseline here is higher. The floor has been raised in terms of the rest of the roster, the non stars, and the Torian Prince. Even if you could argue Torian Prince is the the most complete of all of the players we've talked about today, I think the combination of Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr is a better fit for the Wolves roster. The flexibility of the two, the youth, the athleticism, the length, the um, ability to do some other things with the ball in their hands, or more importantly, perhaps, or more accurately, I should say, in the open floor, both Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr. are much better in transition um, than Torian Prince. That fits what Chris Finch wants to do, and it fits with what the Wolves want to do much more than, than Torian Prince. And at the same cost, you can have two for the price of one. That's basically what this is. You're getting a couple of wings instead of one wing. And they're both young, long, athletic, better defenders than Torian Prince and better in transition on both ends of the floor. It makes so much sense. I want to talk about Shake Milton on Wednesday's show. And he is uh, also going to help paper over the lack of, sh- or not lack, really, I guess, the, the shooting that left out the door with Torian Prince. Shake Milton's going to be part of that equation. But also, he's replacing rotation minutes left behind by 30% and worse three-point shooters, Jalen Noel and Jordan McLaughlin, this year, too. So we'll talk about Shake Milton on Wednesday's show, and uh, we'll also probably talk about Kyle Anderson on Wednesday's show as well. And then Thursday, the Turtles play basketball, 11 a.m. Central in Abu Dhabi against the Dallas Mavericks. So Thursday, we'll talk. Uh, we'll do some more player previews and talk a little about that game, and then Friday will be a post-game pod. So it's a packed week. We are coming up quickly on actual basketball. It's extremely exciting. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. 
Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.